application for us uh, in the scripture. Uh, occasionally, I uh, try and move faster. I know that might come to uh, you as a surprise. Uh, and then I have, uh, we have just some marvelous family around us, uh, and they always, uh, our staff and our interns and volunteers that uh, are part of our staff meeting, they uh, encourage me to, hey, don't be in such a hurry. And uh, I had intended that we would be in Genesis chapter 18 this morning, and uh, <laughs> because I, I just can't wait to get to Genesis 18. It's so exciting. Uh, the son of promise. And in this season of the year for us, we're looking toward the son of promise, the coming of Messiah. So, boy, I mean, I'm like, let's get there now, because this is good stuff. And uh, so they were encouraging me, hey, you can't skip over chapter 16, man. That's like there's some hearty stuff happening in 16. I'm like, I know. So I begrudgingly uh, put the brakes on and uh, I said, all right, Lord, what are you saying? What do you want to do? And, uh, and believe me, because chapter 16 is right in the core of my heart, too. And uh, so we're, we're putting the brakes on a little bit. We're actually going to cover chapter 16 and cover chapter 17 uh, next week, and then we'll dive into 18. Uh, that doesn't mean we will have a full 50 weeks in the book of Genesis, okay? Uh, however, it also could mean that we're going to have a full 50 weeks in the book of Genesis. <laughs> so we'll see. Hey, but before we go into the Word of God, from time to time we have the opportunity to be blessed in our service with missionary families in town. And today, well, actually, we've had uh, sporadically uh, missionary families from Papua New Guinea or Papua New Guinea. And uh, we have Pam and David Condi. Will you guys stand real quick? They are with Missionary Aviation, and it is an amazing, amazing organization. Thank you guys for serving. Thank you for your faithfulness. And thanks for being family. We love that. So may the Lord bless the work there in Papua New Guinea. And uh, Missionary Aviation Fellowship, uh, they do a tremendous work. And in Papua New Guinea, it is a very dangerous place on a number of fronts. And so our prayer covering for them is a significant thing. And so if, if they're not on your prayer list, hey, add them to your prayer list. And if you would like to know more about what they're doing, please, they'll be around. You guys are hanging out for some chili today, aren't you? All right, that's good. Uh, so be sure to thank them for their faithfulness and service. It's an amazing story, too, how God directed their path, guided them, opened a door, and miraculously confirmed the assignment. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool. So encouraging. So thank you, guys. Uh, turn in your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16. If you're a note taker, I would say today's uh, title to the message would be The God Who Sees, The God Who Hears, and The God Who Knows. He sees, He hears, and he knows. We're going to really look at 
three portions of Scripture. We're going to cover the entire chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's uh, some 16 verses. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. Likely the first seven verses. And then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. So jot those down and you will see the connection pieces together as we read through the scripture. Chapter 16, verse 1, Genesis. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maid servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please, go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her her mistress, Sarai, became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Hagar fled from the presence of Sarai. Verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His, his hand shall be against every man, and every man every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees, El Roi. For she said, I have seen, uh, I have also here seen him who sees me. Therefore, the well was called Be'er Laha Roi. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael, verse 16 will include. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar Father, in the next few moments, as we consider 
some cultural differences, some practices that we are unfamiliar with, we will look less at those, but certainly touch on them. But looking more and seeing that you are El Roi, the God Himself. Ishmael, the God who hears. And so, Lord, will you bless our time together in Jesus' name? And everyone said a final amen. Amen. So, a couple of quick thoughts. Number one, you're probably wondering, now wait a minute. Abram and Sarai, they're a little bit older, and this whole promise about having a child, they've advanced now 10 years since that promise, and there's been no children. In fact, we saw in chapter 15 when God spoke to Abram and said, I am your exceedingly great reward. I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. He says, well, what should you do for me? Because I don't have a son yet. I don't have any children. And you said that they would be as the dust of the earth. And I have none yet. What gives? Anybody ever felt that way before? You've been asking God, been asking God, been asking God, been asking God. And you're like, what gives, Lord? I'm not seeing it. Ten years. And so, we get to chapter 16, and we see this cultural thing where Sarai, she owns Hagar. And in that culture, in that day, as a maid servant of Sarai, if there were no children, the mistress would give one of the maidservants as a wife to her husband that, that her husband could sire a child through the maidservant, but the baby would belong to the wife, if you will, of the head of the house. And from that child, the name could be carried on. You would see this in what is known as a Leverite marriage found in Levitical law. Leverite, not Levi, but it has another meaning. But all that to say, you might reference and remember when the teachers of the law came to Jesus and said, hey, suppose a situation arose like this. There was a man who had seven sons, and the eldest married a woman, and he died before they had children, and so she became the wife of the second oldest, but he also died before siring a children or child, a male, and so forth and so on, down to the last one, and then he died, siring no children. And they asked the question, who would she be married to? Which of the seven sons in the resurrection? You might remember the story. That gives a picture of that cultural practice, and it actually, in Jewish law, is the law to carry on the name so the inheritance would stay with the original family. Now, lest we spend the whole morning talking about that practice, that's for another day, and if you'd like more information about that, I would be happy to give that to you. You can see that literally in the book of Joshua. You can see that in the book of Judges because it actually is played out at least one occasion, and you would see that. So we won't focus there, but what we will focus on is these two, we'll start with Sarai, she... She must have had some thinking like you and I might have some thinking. God seems to be delaying. Perhaps I need to help God. Are you with me? 
Anybody here ever get impatient? Like, I just prayed 38 seconds ago. Where are you, God? Let alone a year, two years, 10 years, 20 years. We become really in disbelief. We think, perhaps, I'm supposed to get my hands in this and make something happen. So Sarai takes matters upon herself, gives a suggestion to her husband, Abram. And here's the scenario. The Bible says Abram heeded the voice. I'm going to stop there, lest some of the fellows in the room think, Maybe I shouldn't heed the voice of my wife. That's not what the text is saying at all. What the text is saying is that you should not heed the voice of the flesh. Distinct difference. If that makes sense. Nod your heads with me if that makes sense. You see, there's voices that we all hear. But the voice of the Lord is one. And that is the voice that we need to operate with. We need to understand the Word of God. We need to hear the voice of the Lord in the midst of our circumstances. No matter what your circumstances are, God is speaking. It's up to us to hear and to listen. He principally speaks to us through the written Word of God. The written word of God is an exact representation of the character and nature of God himself. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word, verse 14 says in John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is an exact representation of Jesus Christ. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, The volume of the scroll is written of me. It's pointing. This is Jesus. So he speaks to us through his word. Does that make sense? So it's up to us to do this. So I just want, this is just, this isn't the sermon. I just want to make sure voices, voices are speaking. You have an internal voice that's speaking. I just want you to be reminded that that voice principally is deceptive. We have to learn to discern between our own voice and the voice of the Spirit of God who dwells in the believer. Imperative. Jeremiah the prophet tells us that the heart is the most deceitful amongst the members of the body. And listen, if if you think for a moment, hey, your heart's doing okay, I'll just get you, I'll just by way of reminder, you'll know when it's your voice versus the voice of the Spirit, because the voice that's ours on the inside, it's always self-oriented. How to better self. How to make me look better, be put in better circumstances, to have greater provision for self. Self, self, self. Me, 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 me. If you've heard that voice before, just a quick raise of hand so I know I'm not the only one. All right, most of us, good. (laughs) If not all of us, right? So we know that voice. So just a little sideline, just boom. Remember, when you're facing circumstances, 
when you're facing difficulty, when you're facing frustration, when you're facing things that aren't going your way, when you get alone with God daily, can I get an amen? When you get alone with the Lord daily, take your sword with you, go into your closet, close your door behind, and as you begin to convey your circumstances to your Lord, who knows your circumstances already, you ask Him, will you speak to me through your word? And then listen where He takes you in the word. And then when you weave the story within the context of the word, ask the Lord to give you application. What does this mean to me? You may have to bounce it off a brother, but don't bounce it off a brother first. Go to the Lord first. Let him speak to you. Let him use the word of God. Let him prompt you in your spirit. Then you may say, man, I think I heard this from the Lord. And you find a brother or sister and you say, this is what I think I'm hearing. Am I hearing okay? Then you, you should get some hopeful support or, hey, man, that's not the Lord. And we can encourage one another. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Okay, so that's a little side point. But I want to look at, you have that cultural thing happening. They focused on the arm of the flesh. Abram heeded that voice. Be careful the voices you're heeding to. You receive that warning? I mean, that's just a warning. But just be careful what you're hearing. Be careful to the voices you're listening to. We go a little further. Hagar, the maidservant, becomes the wife of, number two, if you will, of Abram. And she goes into her, they conceive, and when Hagar realizes that she's carrying a child, she's like looking at Sarah and saying, I can, you can't. And there was a despising, like, you're no longer the preeminent, I am. So Sarah's kind of like ticked off. Anybody here ever get ticked off about your circumstances? Man, these are not the cards I wanted to be dealt. And they get frustrated. I think Sarah was frustrated. She was grieved. She was sad. She's like, what have I done? Hey, what I did is on your shoulders. You shouldn't have listened to me. So Abram says, well, you're a maidservant. Do with her as you please. So she deals harshly with. Anybody here in your circumstances ever deal harshly with someone as a result of your circumstances not going your way? Yeah, that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we misbehave. We ought not misbehave. Can I get an amen? Yeah, we should be treating. So there's lots of sermons in here you can see. We're not going to focus on that. But here's the thing. She flees. Hagar flees from Sarah and Abram. She goes over here. And she gets away. And she's distraught. In fact, it's very probable that in her circumstances, she's looking back to Egypt and headed back to Egypt. But on her way to Egypt, which she's just going right back into the world, so to speak, she realizes, I'm probably not going to make it. Because this wilderness, from where she was in Canaan down to Egypt, is pretty rough. Female, pregnant, thieves, all kinds of things going on. She's 
probably distraught. She's sitting at the well. And who shows up? The angel of the Lord. This is fascinating. This is the first mention of that phrase or title, the angel of the Lord. Now, questions often come up. Who is the angel of the Lord? Some have heard that was was the angel or is the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament? Some 56, 56 times it's referenced in some 51 verses. Is this Jesus Christ before his incarnation when he became Jesus Christ, born of Mary? Is this Jesus showing up in the Old Testament? I would say to you, it is. This is what we know as a Christophany in the theological circles. That's what we call it. Christ showing up in the affairs of man and engaging in relationship with man. And here it's with Gabriel who is in distressful circumstances. If you're here today and you are in the midst of distressful circumstances where life seems to be out of control. The things that you had hoped for have not come to pass. You're in the midst of trial, tribulation, heartache, sadness, grief, sorrow, no matter what it is, even if it's in its totality is 100% on your shoulders because decisions you make. Good news. There is a God, our God, who sees where you are right now. He sees you. He sees you. He knows how you got where you are. He knows all of the details. He knows those who have treated you wrongly. He knows those you have treated wrongly. He knows those who have dealt spitefully with you. He knows all of the heartache and the grief and the sadness. He sees you. that he gets it. He identifies with where you are. Now, let's focus first on who the angel of the Lord is, and then we'll come and we'll look at how he sees and also how he hears from that. Turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3. Here again we have another occurrence where the angel of the Lord appears. But this time, he's going to tell us who he is. Exodus chapter 3. It says this, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. 
So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush was not burned. Let me stop there for just a moment. He sees the angel of the Lord in the flames, and it's a bush that's on fire, but the, the bush is not being consumed by the fire. He's, wherever he is, he looks and he sees. Now, he sees the angel of the Lord in the midst of the fire. But what's confusing to him is that the bush is not burning. I almost turn aside. I don't know about you. I am a science guy, and that is very intriguing to me, why the bush is not burning. But I think I would be a little bit more like, the angel of the Lord is in the fire. And I might turn aside to go see the angel of the Lord. But what we have in the text is that he goes and he checks this thing out. He says, I'm going to go look at this. Well, he goes. Verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take off your sandals, the sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, are you ready? I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7. Cueing on verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know the God who hears, and the God who knows. This is the angel of the Lord. You go back to our text in chapter 16 of Genesis. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress. Submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord went on to say, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. He, she's given no information. Now he's, he's ministering to her. He is confirming. He sees her. He knows her condition. In fact, he knows her condition so well that he says, not only are you pregnant, but you're pregnant with a son. And you're going to name your son Ishmael. Ishmael, we're given the definition in the next portion of the verse, because the Lord has heard your affliction. The Lord who hears. The Lord who hears. She didn't have to tell God what was going on. He had, he's already heard. He sees and he hears and he knows. That's of great encouragement to you and me. So today, by way of reminder, 
the simplicity of he is El Roy-E. R-O-I, L-E-A-U. The God who sees. He is Ishmael, if you will, the God who hears. And he is the God who knows our circumstances. Now, that would be enough. Anybody here recognize if, if that was it, and God, like he did in Exodus chapter 3, he says he saw their affliction, he heard the outcry, and he knew what was going on, so he came down to bring deliverance. Can I suggest to you the same God who saw Hagar, who heard of her affliction, who knew her circumstance and her condition, he came down to bring deliverance for her. God is a God of pattern. He'll do the same for you and for me. He will. You see, he sees where you are and where I am. He hears, even if we don't cry out, but when we do, he hears and he knows what we're going through. He will come down and bring deliverance in your circumstances and in mine because he is the God who does. That is his, that is his character. That is his nature. And I believe it's contained within his promises for us that we can stand upon those promises. We saw it last week when we looked at Jehoshaphat. I said Jehoshaphat last week, and a couple in my own home said, it's a long A, Dad. Would you get his name right? Jehoshaphat. Hey, we saw it in the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. They were powerless, and they did not know what to do. So they said, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. You will hear and bring deliverance. Exactly what God did. God said, Jehoshaphat, go to the battlefield, but don't fight. Just stand and believe the battle belongs to the Lord. For Abram and Sarai, wasn't the promise of children his battle? Wasn't that his? Didn't he have to deal with their being beyond the years of bearing children when he was 75 and she was 65? Then some 10 years later when he's 70, or when he's 85 and she's 75? Listen, it's not going to get, he waits till it's an absolute impossibility. Absolutely. A hundred. And she being 90. That's God's battle. But what they did was they said, well, look, we're going to get our hands in this and try and help God. And I suggest to you, the one who sees, the one who hears, the one who knows, doesn't need our help. He's got it. He's got it. And he will. We just need to stand and believe. Stand and believe. So be encouraged today. 
He knows your circumstances. You, you might be here and you say, well, my circumstances are unique. Your circumstances are not unique to God. And they're not unknown to His ways. Will you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4? Turn in your Bibles in the New Testament to Hebrews chapter 4. It's on page 1,054 in your Bible. Actually, we're going to do the same thing on 1,055. Yes, Charlie and I have the same Bible, so he says so. <laughs> Thank you. Verse 15. This is a great scripture to have its content memorized. In reference to Jesus, our great high priest, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He knows. If you say, man, my situation is unique, though. And then we start to enumerate how unique it is. Well, that's not what the Word of God says. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, he can, I'll put it in that positive vein, if you will, it's, it's written in the, he is, uh, we do not have who cannot, what we have is one who can. He can sympathize with us because he has at all points, how many points? All points. How many points? Say it a little louder. How many points? Oh, you've got to convince yourself. He's been tempted. He has gone through. He knows how you feel at all points. All points. You can't say to God, no one understands what I'm going through. Well, yes, maybe in this arena, but not in this arena. He knows. And he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. Our encouragement is to stand and believe. We've been asked, John chapter 6 tells us, what are the works of God? What are the works of God that we must go do the works of God? Because everybody here wants to do the works of God, right? Can I get an amen? So I mean, I want to do the works of God. Will you just tell me what the works of God are? And he does. Hallelujah. These are the works of God. Believe in the one whom he has sent. Believe. So what's your assignment with your circumstances? Stand and believe. Now how epic is this? This is just epic. He has equipped given us the uniform to wear so that we can stand. And he's given us his spirit to help us believe. Are you armed with the full armor of God so that you may stand in the day of evil? When you have been fully armed, stand there.
discouraged in your circumstances because you've not been to the well of the image lately. You've got your eyes fixed on the stuff rather than on the one who can deliver you from the stuff. And you stopped drinking from the well. Might have been a voice that you started listening to over here. The one who was saying, can't, 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 can't. And you began to believe that you can't. And you stopped says, I can, I can, I can. And the one who says, he will, he will, he will. We must stop listening to those voices that are not from the Lord and listen to the living voice of the Word of God. Does that make sense? We're coming to the communion table this morning. I'm going to invite those who are going to serve us in communion. If you would come, I think we have our elders that are going to be here, Charlie and Tim and Dave. Um, thank you, Josh. As we prepare to come to the communion table, two things. Number one, we hold an open communion. If your faith is in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we're family, and we, we are going to break bread together, so to speak. receive the emblems of communion together as we come to the table. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and we'll make our way to the center aisles and come forward and receive these. If you're here today and your faith is not in Jesus and you even now just are discovering, wait a minute, there's a God who knows me, there's a God who sees me, and there's a God who, he, he not only, he hears my circumstances. He knows me. And you say, man, I want to give my life to him. By receiving communion, you are making a public declaration that your faith is in Christ and what Christ has done for you. So perhaps today, by receiving communion, maybe you're here today and you'll be receiving for the very first time. Thank you, brother. And if that is so, we just want to welcome you your faith. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Let's say together, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. 
you could stand with me this morning, and I'm going to invite you just to make your way to these center aisles, and we'll make our way up to all four of our brothers here. There is some gluten-free wafers, if you if that's of importance to you because of uh, your uh, health scenario, but let's make our way, and then as you make your way back to your seat on the outside aisles, please hold the emblems, and we'll come back, and we'll receive them together in just a few moments.
love when we prepare for communion and we're swelling at the seams that we seem to run out. Uh, but they had some more prepared, so praise God. I have so much to say in my heart as we come to the communion table. in the 12th chapter in the 10th verse he says under the inspiration of the spirit of God he says I have spoken to you through the prophets the similitudes through the prophets the word similitude there is symbol or type these emblems have in them January, on the first Sunday in January, we'll take time to go through the typology and how Jesus fulfills all of the promise and the feast of Passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the feast of first fruits. And because of what he did, we partake in remembrance of what he did. Powerful. The spring festival of the Jews is something that every born-again Christian should learn more about. You see, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and First Fruits have a considerable longer history, if you will, than some of the holy days that we celebrate, the holidays that we celebrate. And their origins are very different. One comes from the Word of God. One comes from paganism. Not to put a damper on, but it's important for us to be reminded what these stand for. The scripture tells us that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, at the supper, he took the bread and he broke the bread. It's part of the Seder meal. They do this to this very day. Jews, Israelites who practice Orthodox Jews, they take the matzah bread made the same way for the last 2,500 years. They take the bread and they break the bread and they give thanks. And they hide a piece of the bread till later. This bread is a representation of the broken body of Jesus Christ. It was broken for you and I. This is fascinating. Zechariah says they will look upon 
meek whom they have pierced. Are you ready for this? This is so fascinating. Prophet Isaiah tells us he is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus lays claim to that title in the book of Revelation. He says, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first letter of the Greek alphabet and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. I am the first and the last. Here's something very fascinating. The first and the last in the Hebrew alphabet is the Aleph and the Tau. It's untranslatable in Hebrew. Untranslatable. Aleph Tau. Aleph Tau. Aleph Tau. Interestingly enough, those two Hebrew letters show up in the Messianic prophecy of Jesus. You see, in Zechariah, it says, they will look upon me, and then you see Aleph-Tau, whom they have pierced. The one who laid claim to first and last is the one whose name is found in the very text. We hold this bread, and it is a reminder of the one who bore the stripes and the scars, who shed his blood for us. And so today, as we hold the bread, can we be reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us? He took stripes, and he was thrust in his side. He was pierced for us. Father, today, we remember what Jesus did. We remember that it was Jesus who visited Hagar. Pre-incarnate Christ who said, I've seen, I've heard, and I know. And he would say to us today, I've seen, and I've heard, and I know. We say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Let's partake of the bread together. Stand with me this morning as we hold the cup. This cup, Jesus said. In fact, the scripture tells us it was after supper that he took the cup. The third cup in the Seder meal is the cup of redemption. That's the cup that they take after the supper, and he took that cup, the cup of redemption. And he says, This represents the new covenant in my shed blood, which I offer for you. He was declaring that redemption is no longer found through the works of the law. For Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. And he says, redemption is now found in my shed blood. No longer the blood of bulls and rams, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Our faith in what Christ accomplished upon the cross at Calvary, shedding his own blood for our redemption. We hold these cups. And we are saying, I am a willful participant in that. I say yes to Jesus. I, me, Dave, you, we say yes. And that's good news. That's good news. For our sin is fully covered. Like that original Passover lamb, the angel passed over the houses that had the blood of the lamb over the lentil of the door. He passes over our sin. He covers it with his own tears. 
So, Father, today we thank you for your great plan of salvation. We hold these cups. We declare you are the God who sees, you are the God who hears, you are the God who knows. And you're the God who comes down and makes provision for us. You did it for Hagar, a type of the Gentiles. You did it for Abram. You did it for the whole world through Jesus Christ. So we say yes today and give you thanks. Let's partake of the cup together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Well, hey, it's been good to be in the house of God. Now we just get to go eat some chili together. Probably some crackers and burn our tongues, as I heard Matt say. Let me close this in a word of prayer and pray a blessing over the food up top. And we just invite everyone to make it, make your way up there and join us for a time of fellowship, a time to eat some chili. And remember that it's all for the purpose of the mission work that we're going to do. Father, thank you that you are the God who sees, you are the God who hears, and you are the God who knows. And you're the God who comes down and will deliver. So in the midst of our circumstances, may we not get our hands in it and try and fix it now. Let us just stand and believe, wait for you, and may you bless. Will you give us and grant us your benediction, and will you bless the food and our fellowship? In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you up top.